Whether you're an agileista, a diehard Scrum fan, or maybe a bit more of a tentative wagiler, there are always ways that you can do agile better. And one way of doing that is to make your meetings or ceremonies more effective. So today we're going to talk about sprint planning, daily stand-up, sprint reviews, and sprint retrospectives to give you the inside track on how you can do them better and make your agile approach more effective. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Aston, and this is the Digital Project Manager Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Clarison, the leader in enterprise project and portfolio management software. Visit clarison.com to learn more. But today I'm joined by Alexa, one of our resident DPM experts at the Digital Project Manager. Uh, Alexa is awesome. You'll find her on our DPM uh, school that uh, we're running at the moment. And also we're uh, launching another DPM school course in September. So if you've not signed up for that, uh, go and check it out. Uh, but Alexa works at Kremer in Kansas City. Alexa, thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you for having me back. Good stuff. So, Alexa, you are a former project manager. So controversial that we are talking to a former project manager. Uh, but tell us a bit about uh, what you do. Yeah, I hope I'm not too controversial because the transition from digital project manager to business development happened pretty organically. I work at an agency that builds custom web apps and mobile apps, and I was doing a lot of account growing through kind of inside sales of the clients I was working on. And so when I was looking back on 2017 and thinking about what's ahead, I wasn't sure and had a conversation with the biz dev guy that I work with, and he said, you should come join me on the sales team. And I thought, that sounds fun and different. And I feel uniquely equipped to handle it because of the projects that I've managed um, long before that. So it's it's a pleasure to still be included in the DPM community and it keeps me sharp. You're always welcome, Alexa. Yeah. But I'm interested. Uh, so uh, pretend, though, that you are um, the company CEO. And I think this is a an interesting kind of question for regardless of whether or not you're a PM or you're kind of a new biz person. But what what would keep or what does keep you up at night with regards to your like company's future? What, what are the things that kind of concern you? The personal company that I work for? Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of thinking about like the future of digital, where it's going. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So um, we're growing rapidly and I'm saying we because I'm a part of it, but I'm th- now I'm saying me because I'm in the scenario of the CEO. So we hire very inten- intentionally. And I think what would keep me up at night is ensuring that the hires that we have to bring on a little bit more quickly than normal still fit our culture and can provide um, the right skills that are important, but also the right team dynamics and sort of collaboration style that allow us to be us. Um, That would probably keep me up at night because there's a lot of talented people out there, but a, a culture is so important to a company's success. And we really hold on to that tightly here yeah um so that would worry me yeah yeah it's tricky isn't it Hi, yeah hiring good people uh but not only good people but people that fit is True. a is a is a tricky thing right and uh, then related to your point around technology especially yeah. because it does change so so much and so fast it's i think balancing experimentation Mm. keeps me up at night in this in this um, hypothetical because we tend to be a very experimental group but there's still things that we don't want to we don't want to be the 
the first to do it on a client project necessarily. So like how, how do we reward and incentivize experimentation and um, inventiveness and how much do we want to make sure that we are providing the highest quality at all times? So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think kind of related to that is that, that trick of, okay, there is so much new technology that's out there, but where, which kind of, which basket do you put your eggs in? Do you kind of like from a, from a digital perspective, like if you think about the future of digital and where it's going, um, do you try going down the, okay, well, let's go into, we need to incorporate machine learning into, uh, into what we're doing or artificial intelligence right. or, or kind of, or whatever the yeah, hot or voice. Know. Yeah. 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 That's a better way of rephrasing what I just said. <laughs> But I, but I'm interested, kind of at turning it back on you though. So you're no longer the CEO, uh, you're Alexa. So what's uh, what's tough? What are the what are the kind of challenges that in your in your role now, or even within the within the agency, that um, what are the kind of challenges that you deal with? Great question. I think we, I'm faced with the challenge right now of growing an outbound sales strategy. So we do a pretty good job of building our business on referrals and um, word of mouth, which is great, but it's not always the most sustainable. So I'm trying to identify a good strategy to grow top of funnel type of awareness things. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a marketer, honestly, but it doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to think about who our customers are and where they might be and where do I need to be? Where does our message need to be? And ensuring that that's consistent across everybody. And so there's a lot of people at the agency trying to work on that. And I mentioned that we were growing. Um, and so making sure that what our message is out to the world is consistent with who we are today and not a reflection of where we were even three years ago when we were a third or quarter of this size. So that's, it's been interesting. And especially being in the sales role, I want to make sure that I'm consistently telling the same message or that I'm hitting the right tone with people and expressing the, the true value prop of working with a team like us. Cause I work with the most talented people and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to pitch you guys on this. I'm just saying I work with really amazing people who grow and build amazing products. Um, and so I want to make sure that we have a nice strategy to get that that message out into the world that needs to hear it there we go so what so you, you're working on amazing projects with amazing people can you can you share what any of those are let's see uh, that you're well, on? yeah um i hope other people other agency people can relate to this because some of our coolest stuff we aren't allowed to talk about and it's kind of a bummer but um some interesting things that are in the pipe um are we do a lot of dual-sided marketplaces. So finding, uh, creating an experience that two different and two unique users can work with is, is kind of our bread and butter. And I might've talked about this on another podcast. I'm having deja vu, but we um, have done a lot of hiring platforms. So, um, we're still working on one came to mind first. And, um, we have to make sure that on the front end, the job seekers have a great experience. And on the other end of it, the hiring folk can navigate the platform and make sure that they can administrate the right tasks and, and follow up with the right people. So that one's pretty fun, but there's so many more things I wish I could say. I, just, I don't even have clearance to talk about them. I don't even know. <laughs> Top secret. Well, that's always, it's always fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so 
I'm I'm interested though, kind of thinking about your progression, and I think it's always PMs are always kind of uh, yeah, I think confused sometimes about okay, well, where do I go from being a project manager? So there's a kind of management route, and you become you know you head up the the project management team, but obviously you've gone into the BD kind of world. But I'm curious, when you grow up, what do you want to be? Where's oh, your own game? Question. I want to be a, a badass mom, <laughs> like, <laughs> my, like my own personal mom. Uh, I want to have kids, but I want to keep working and and staying in the tech space. Something that I'm I'm excited about and happy to be a part of now, and can only imagine how much different it will look even in five years. But mm. I want to raise a family too. So that's that's something I've always been passionate about and I'm just trying to weigh when the right time is for that. Yeah. So what what does your mom do then? My mom is an executive assistant for a billionaire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a newer she got the job in uh the beginning of the year. It's a very unique and weird role. I w- went to go visit her a couple weeks ago and he has many different business ventures and one of which was a fast casual bison restaurant in Omaha, Nebraska. You guys should check wow. it out. Yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, it's a very interesting job that she's in. But she, before that she worked as a proofreader and paralegal for many years and just did an amazing job balancing her career and raising a family. Look how rounded you've turned out, Alexa. Uh, well done. <laughs> well done, Alexa's mum. Shout out to Alexa's mum. <laughs> uh, but apart from your mum then, what what else inspires you or who so, else inspires you yeah there's so many great amazing inspiring things out there i've recently been really drawn to interior design and um just styling my own home i re resurrected my um pinterest account recently over the last like Ooh. two months and i've just been diving into so many beautiful things and it truly inspires me. And one of the things I'm trying to achieve at home and it kind of leaks over into my work is how to simplify a space and declutter. And that is eking into how I'm trying to communicate with my prospects and the team here is like, how can I simplify this message or how can I, how can I remove the mess that might be around me, whether that's physical mess or mental mess. I think that's a good thing. I should get you to come over and take a look at my office <laughs> right now. My wife said to me today, why is your desk in the middle of the room? <laughs> and I was like, well, because it's the only thing that the room's for. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we're having a debate around um, desk positioning strategy. But, uh, <laughs> Pinterest, that's still a thing, is it? I guess so. It's, it's funny you say that because I thought it was dead and gone. But since I've, since I've kind of dove back into it. I love it. And it's better than ever. And there's so many beautiful, aesthetically pleasing things on there. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love it from a home perspective. And um, I'm, I'm helping my friend with her wedding coming up. And so from like a wedding planning point of view, it's really nice. Yeah. It's a great community on there. There we go. I, uh, I did used to, I used to be a pinner, but uh, like you, I dropped off. So maybe, maybe 2019 will be the year for me to start pinning again. But, uh, Apart from apart from Pinterest, though, I, it, going back more to the uh, well, it doesn't need to be actually the the working world. But uh, is there anything that you've found or used recently that you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome! I need to tell everyone about it. Yes, actually, and it goes back to this simplicity theme. There's a tool called Notion. Have you heard of it? 
No. Oh, it's amazing. It's kind of like a wiki, um, sort of a Google Docs, a really flexible Asana-like space. Right. Um, extremely simple design. You can customize it to anything, and it's just really slick UI. And they have a great web app, mobile app, um, Mac app. And I would recommend that for any sort of like a lot of people ask about, you know, where do I take my, down my to do's? And it really doesn't matter. It's the answer is like wherever you can find them. And <laughs> yeah. but Notion, Notion's a really good spot to do, you know, task lists and sort of like trip planning things. And you can use it professionally and personally, depending on what you need it for. So check out Notion. Yeah. There we go. Let's Notion it up. Cool. Good stuff. So, um, let's go on to talk about your article. And um, for those that haven't yet read, Alexa wrote an awesome post a while back on Project Retrospectives. Um, and and so we're going to kind of carry on that discussion. Alexa's written a new article, uh, like I introduced at the beginning, all about agile meetings that we can use to run uh, projects better. And we all want to be more efficient. We all want to be more effective at the way that we run agile projects and um Scrum actually is, is pretty prescriptive in terms of uh, agile methodologies, uh, in terms of the meetings that you should have. In fact, it's yeah that they they dictate uh, these ceremonies. And um, yeah, I, I'm curious, Alexa, what what's your kind of take on the the idea of this? They're meetings, but but in Scrum we call them ceremonies. Why do you think why do you think that is? Yeah, that's interesting. So someone might have to fact check me on this, but I don't think they call them, like you can still call them ceremonies, but it's it's synonymous with a meeting or an activity, you know? So yeah. I tend to take a look at process things, Scrum being a process to implement Agile. I tend to take a more like um, adaptable view of those things. I don't want any of this to sound prescriptive because it's not supposed to be. Like the idea yeah. is simple, but it sh- it's hard to master and it's hard to get right. So it's never, you can't just like follow a recipe and get the exact intended outcome without changing some things. So it's, I get why you're asking that, but it's hard for me to, to yeah. go yeah. full blown scrum because I don't think full blown scrum is really realistic for most things. You have to tweak it to fit your culture and yeah. your organization, your project. Yeah. But although you've done your scrum master, right? Have you? Uh, yeah, I have. I got certified yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah, so I think the interesting thing, though, about when you do the, if you're thinking about doing the certified Scrum Master course, I don't know what your experience was like, but um, I think possibly the reason, you know, they're called ceremonies is that they are more than just meetings because Scrum is really prescriptive. And when you do the Scrum Master course, it is really prescriptive in terms of, okay, here are the roles, um, here are the artifacts, here are the um, ceremonies, and you need to do these things um, in order to, if you don't do these things, then it's not really Scrum. Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it is. It was very much by the book, and I get why they do that. Um, I think to get the, the best understanding of it, you have to stick to the script, so to speak. You yeah. should know it in and out so that you can recognize maybe when to adapt. And the whole point of these ceremonies are to, are to produce good work that you can predict and that you can um, sort of inspect and adapt on whole point of scrum so you're right like it is it is very prescriptive when you're going through the course and i do recommend it like it doesn't it's not a huge investment of time or money but it really helps tell the full story of why scrum and how you can implement it across i'm laughing because 
it's obviously for software development, but the instructor of my course says he uses it at home with his kids, <laughs> like has a scrum board for all their tasks and stuff. So it's very interesting. To do that. Interesting. Actually, yeah. I wonder what they what are they iterating on life? <laughs> <laughs> their room being cleaned. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But um, but thinking about these these ceremonies or these meetings that these agile meetings that we're going to talk about, these aren't really just exclusive to Scrum, are they? And I think that's why I I started at the beginning by talking about this. These are really you know we all want to do agile better. Scrum is an is an agile methodology. So right. this isn't the the things that we're going to talk about: sprint planning, stand up, sprint reviews, sprint retrospectives. I mean. We put the word sprint in front of them all, but they don't need to be exclusive to Scrum, do they? Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. And I think that's, I, I'm glad you're calling that out because I don't want this article or the podcast or whatever, anything anyone reads online to scare them away from trying something because Scrum's in it. And that might that might have connotations that would persuade someone not to, to try. So yeah. the idea is, yeah, like these can be applied to any sort of agile team that you're working on or, or software development project that could benefit from these meetings. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about, let's talk about the meetings then. And um, tell us, tell us about kind of give us a kind of the quick synopsis of what sprint planning is about. So sprint planning is, it's almost, it's almost um, self defining because you're planning for the work that you're going to get done over the sprint or the course of time that you've all determined is what you're going to work on. So um, it's designed to help make sure that everyone's prepared to get the right things done. And that depends on a lot of things. It depends on sort of a, a road or a backlog of work being available to the team and fully defined by the product owner and the stakeholders that need to weigh in on those things, and then ordered probably on priority by what needs to get done. So the sprint planning meeting exists so that people can negotiate and say, you know, I think I can get this done, you know, based on these variables and these requirements, like I'm going to, I'm going to bite this off. And, and the team all agrees on that. And as they do that, you create a sprint, a sprint backlog and a sprint goal. And the whole idea of this time together is that everyone can agree like, okay, over the course of the next two weeks, if that's the sprint duration, we are going to get these things done. Ideally. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so there's two, yeah, there's kind of two parts to the meeting. There's the, firstly, it's kind of reviewing all of those things that are in the product backlog. And then it's the, the, the development team or the team deciding of all those things that are in the backlog and uh, yeah, all of the things that you could be doing, what are the things that we're going to move into the sprint uh, to work on in that sprint? But do you, I mean, what's your kind of experience of that? Because I think it can be, it can be, I mean, I know in your article you talk about, well, it should you should probably allow as much time for the sprint planning as, so one hour per week of the sprint. So if we've got a two-week sprint, we've got a two-week sprint planning session. Um, but do you find that the, the the sprint planning sessions typically actually turn into just a discussion around the scope or the requirements? And yeah, they uh, can. Yeah, and also to clarify, I think, and I could be proven wrong, but I think it's two times the length of the sprint in hours. So if okay. the sprint, if the sprint's two weeks long, it should last no more than four hours, and it doesn't have to last four. 
um, but it might <laughs> because that's two weeks is plenty of time to to identify what can get done. So, um, so that's but, a four so that's a four hour long meeting. So, yeah, so, so right. talk like us it, through how that how you manage that. Right. So, again, kind of going back to what needs to be there beforehand, and it's not always um, for some reason reason or another, but having the like acceptance criteria and requirements and definition of done in every single uh, backlog item in an ideal world would make that meeting go really well because in that scenario, you should be able to open up the ticket, look at it as the, you know, as the product owner one runs through it, the development team can ask questions and it clarifies questions and, and assumptions that everyone might have so that everyone has a good understanding of what that means. Um, but it can, it can definitely balloon and it's tough. I'm, I wish I had like, and I'm curious to know, Ben, in your experience, if you've, if you know of any tactics to help move this forward, because it can ultimately lead to a space where there is a lack of definition. And, um, I've, when I've experienced that, at least I've, I've tried to like earmark that to go back on later. And we, we might not pull it into the sprint. Like if it's not mission critical, let's go back and make sure we can address it at a later time in a later sprint planning meeting or leading up to the sprint planning, doing some, some prep sessions to make sure that that backlog items ready, because it's, if it's mission critical, let's figure it out. If it's not, let's give it time to have more definition. And I know criteria change all the time. So that, that one can get tricky. Yeah. I think, I think of all these meetings i think the sprint planning one is the most critical one but it's also that it's the most difficult to manage well because um yeah in, in order for it to work properly the the product backlog or the list of things that you want to get done or that have to get done needs to be actually pretty well defined by the product owner that or the, the project manager the person who's defining what's going to be created um but then also within the sprint planning session, you're taking those items and you're then breaking them down into tasks. That is part of the sprint planning meeting. It's taking that backlog item and pulling it into the sprint, breaking it down into tasks. And it's there, it's there that the um, if it's if the item is too ambiguous um, and if the you know the definition of done is not clearly defined enough, um, that's when the whole thing can just unravel into an hour long discussion about a single item. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty insignificant. So I think as the scrum master or the project manager, our role in this is making sure that that product backlog is really well defined as, as much as it possibly can be beforehand. And then, yeah, just um, just being cognizant of, okay, how many story points it's worth or, or how long it's been, we think this thing's going to take us to do and not just over, because sometimes we, we kind of, this kind of temptation can be to try and actually get into the actual solutioning um, mm -hmm. within the sprint planning meeting when it's just, we just need to a breakdown of the tasks that we need to do in that, uh, in that sprint for that item. So totally. um, kind of it's the, yeah, the trick here is, is waiting it, waiting it appropriately and not overdoing or, or underdoing the discussion because that's the other thing that can happen. If something gets moved into the sprint and then you're like, Oh, well, and the developer will be like, oh, I don't know what we need to do here. <laughs> well, we just, we went through this in sprint planning. So uh, it's, it's a tricky balance, isn't it? It is. I would agree with that. It's it's the most important meeting uh, I could confidently say, but it is the trickiest one to get to get right every time. And I do encourage everyone to like be be willing to break things down into smaller chunks if, if 
there's a larger product backlog item, you know, break them up into user stories, sketch them out, add, add bugs, add things that are, you know, that are ready to be in there. Um, and hopefully you'll have a good sense of your team's velocity. We don't really get into that in the article, but there's a lot of um, information out there around that. But you should have some baseline velocity that you know you can you've typically um, accomplished over a sprint. So um, if that's something that you are aware of, that should help guide like how much you can truly pull in, or at least you assume you can. And the other tip that I um, early on I forgot to always make sure I was keeping aware of, but like if people have time off or there's holidays or vacation, Mm, um, if you need to get prepped for a big, say there's a a big sprint review going to be a part of this sprint because, um, you know, stakeholders are coming in or there's going to be other management in that meeting, make sure you build in time to do a rehearsal of that. Um, It takes a lot of forecasting and thought, but the more prepared you can be for sprint planning, the better for everybody. Yeah. Definitely. And so we, we, we touched on this, but um, how do you get the team to agree how much they're going to pull into the sprint? Because in in my experience, you know, people want to pull in as few tasks as possible. Um, but how do you how do you get them to kind of make that commitment and, uh, you know, push people to, you know, be, be ambitious in what they're trying to take on? Right. Well, and I've also been in sprint planning meetings where we bite off too much. I have, um, I, we have some great team members here, but sometimes they're like, you know, maybe underestimating an item. And I, it's hard for me to always tell just cause I don't have the full technical background. Yeah. You just have a gut feeling, you know, you'd be like, are you sure? Like it's a pretty big item. <laughs> so what I try to do is just do continuous pulse checks along the way. You don't have to wait till the end and the sprint goals there to say, okay, does everybody agree? Do um, sort of iterative checkpoints and say, okay, we're going to put this one in. Does everyone feel good about that? check. Okay, let's move on to the next thing and keep um, getting a temperature gauge for where the team is at. And, um, you know, you might have differing opinions. You might have a team member say, I think we can keep going. And you might have someone say, I think this is enough and allow them to explain their thoughts on both of those sides of the argument. Yeah, it's it's a balance, isn't it? Because we don't want to, I mean, what's great is if you get to the end of the sprint, you're like, hey, we did everything that was in the, uh, in the sprint backlog. Uh, but then if you, I mean, you can always pull more things into the sprint. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't gone through the sprint planning process with the whole team, uh, you then have to have a kind of a mini sprint plan to define that new item that's kind of going to drop into the sprint. So it's a balance. Yeah. And a tricky one. So good luck. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but let's talk about one that's probably more people are okay with. And I think this is a... a Often when people talk about, oh, let's do Agile, what they really often simply mean is let's have a daily stand-up. So, so uh, for some people, that's the extent of Agile. And do you know what? That's okay. Like Agile is about collaborating more together and a daily stand-up is a great way of doing that. But how do you keep, I mean, how do you keep the stand-ups meaningful and worthwhile and fresh when what's happened to me many times is that you come to the, you know, the stand up and everyone's, you know, say, well, I just carried on what I was working on yesterday. And uh, yeah, no blockers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, well, there was no point really having that meeting <laughs> was there. So how do you, yeah, how, what are your kind of tips for keeping stand ups fresh and useful um, and, you know, and actually meaningful? Yeah, that's a good, good question. And I've, 
definitely been in stand-ups where there's not a lot of content. And I'm like, ooh, we got like, to pull some information out because uh, it is valuable. And I've also been in stand-ups where um, I've really had to rein people in. Like it's not supposed to be a status meeting where you're going through line by line and saying, um, you know, spending too much time on an item. We just, we need to make sure that there's nothing in the team's way to get their work done that they need to get done for the larger sprint goal. So to answer your question around how to keep it fresh, um, sometimes just trying to drop in a couple jokes, <laughs> loosen people up, <laughs> you know, resetting expectations with this meeting to, to, to drive the why behind it. Um, you know, if, if I have someone on the team who's not really forking over a lot of information, I'm like, okay, well, is there, you know, try to remind them that there are important details we need to know or, um, you know, encourage them to just just share more. I'm coming up short on like specific reasons or ways to do that, but just drawing out the information needed. Um, we have experimented, I mentioned this in the article, we have experimented with GeekBot, which is like an asynchronous um, tool for standups through Slack. Yeah. And what's cool about that, I don't always recommend it because I do think there's so much value in actually getting together and like there's some camaraderie that you build and all of that, even through video calls. But if, if you want to do them asynchronously, that does allow for a little bit more flexibility with the team and you need to set expectations for, you know, by when it needs to be submitted. But Geekbot prints out, it, it collects all that, all that information in the tool. So you can always go back and you have written reports. You can like generate reports on what everyone's standup is. So if you, if you're kind of requiring more information, that might be an interesting way to get it because that it doesn't just go out into the ethers of the world, you know, um, if you talk it, it's one thing, but if you type it out, it'll get captured in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think another thing that I think is, is, um, yeah, I mean, you went, you talked about reminding people of the why and like, why is we're doing this, (laughs) the scrum. And, um, I think asking people to, if, you know, if someone gives a, a lazy update, having a conversation with them after saying, Hey, um, can you just for tomorrow's scrum, can you make sure you prepare a bit more detail about what you're going to share? And, um, and because the idea is not really that we just, um, yeah, like you said, it's not just a status update. It's a, it's a pulse check. And it, the idea is that we're kind of illuminating, um, any impediments that could be coming down the, down the road. It requires people to think and, uh, we want them to think. Uh, because if people aren't thinking and they're just saying, um, you know, just just rattling off, yeah, I did the same as I was working on the day before. I'm working on this ticket. Um, it's, it's kind of useless. But um, let's talk about the next one then. So sprint reviews. Uh, so this is where we demo the stuff that we've been doing uh, within the sprint. But what's your, I mean, do you normally do these directly with the client or do you do an internal one first or what's the way that you kind of manage the sprint review process? That's a good question. We've um, traditionally, we'll invite our clients into the entire sprint planning, you know, the entire process. So they're in sprint planning. Um, They're preparing backlog items with our sort of product owner. Um, They might be in the standups. And so when it comes to the sprint review, um, they're usually in those just because they're a part of every other piece of the puzzle. Um, we, 
there's definitely times where you might be doing a large release where, you know, a bigger number of attendees might be there from, you know, outside stakeholders. I mentioned other managers or even members from the other dev teams, but I don't, I don't feel like it's the best use of time. I was talking to someone recently who said that she has to sit in every sprint review for every scrum team every two weeks and it eats up her entire day. And that just doesn't seem relevant or helpful or great at all. So, um, they, for what, from what we found, it's definitely an awesome way for the team to showcase what, what's been done. It has to meet the, you know, the criteria or the definition of done. Um, and it's not, it's not a place for them to defend the work they've done. It's, it's a showcase and questions can be asked and there might be things that get raised, um, that turn into backlog items. So it's, you know, as a scrum master or PM in that, in that ceremony, it's important to be present and taking it all in. But if there's actionable things that need to be put into the backlog later, um, making sure that those are captured and, and worked through at at a later point. Yeah. I think for me, I can, I can sympathize with that person who has to sit through a day of uh, review, scrum reviews, because I think what can sometimes happen in the review is that um, the definition of done is not well-defined enough. And so things start to get demoed that clearly aren't done. And you're like, well, this is a waste of everyone's time. Why are, you, you know, why, why are we trying to show this? So I think one way to make that sprint review meeting more efficient is to have that criteria around what done means. Uh, and like it has to be fully QA'd and it has to be fully working uh, right. before we're trying to get it approved. Yeah, I think that's where prepping for this comes in handy. We kind of talked about this earlier in sprint planning, but if you if you need to build in time to prepare for the sprint plan, um, plan for it, you know, and yeah. if if you want to make sure that everything, you know, we have a half a day to run through stuff, then just add that to the schedule and, and make sure that, that that's in alignment with everyone else's needs and the milestones that might be in place for your project. Um, but yeah, that's never a fun scenario where you, you kind of force a, a sprint review when some of the items or all the items aren't totally done. And that's not, I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just depressing. Yeah. It really is sad. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully along the way to you're kind of demoing these things, um, with, you know, the team would be demoing with the, with QA, with customers, potentially with the product owner. And so ideally before the, uh, sprint review is kicking off, everyone has a pretty good feeling like, okay, this is, this is going to be, you know, we're going to knock this out of the park. Yeah, definitely. So let's kind of touch on the last ceremony, which actually isn't really a ceremony, is it officially the right. retrospective? And you've talked about this before, but give us a quick recap. Uh, yeah, wet, so, wet the appetites of those who haven't read your other article. Sure. I know I sound like a sprint retrospective fangirl, but <laughs> um, they're great. They're not truly a ceremony, but this is another one that if you're starting to, if you're starting to implement agile or you want to become a more agile team, this is a good way to start as well. Mm. In addition to the daily standups, but it's um, after the sprint review is over and anyone who's outside of the, the team is gone. This time allows you to look back retrospectively um, and say, okay, what went well, what could have gone better and what can we do differently to improve? There's always room for improvement. I, I don't want anyone hearing this to get the sense that uh, these are going to go perfectly all the time. Cause as we talked about, they, they probably won't and that's okay. So 
the retrospective is a chance for the team to get together and kind of get real and say, you know, definitely celebrate the wins. If there's something that the, the team accomplished, that was super hairy and they, they were able to make it work, but let's celebrate that. Um, you know, calling people out in a positive light for their collaboration or their problem solving skills or their flexibility is awesome. But chances are there's also going to be things that came up along the way that need to be addressed. Um, hopefully there's, there's actionable things that the team can do to change that. And so as the, the scrum master or the project manager, capturing all those things, the wins, the losses, the opportunities, and making sure that people know if there's something actionable out of that, that they are held accountable and the team's all in agreement. Because, you know, there's been, t- there's been retros I've been in where someone has a, a real legitimate um, suggestion, mm-hmm. but it's not something that the whole team needs to be focused on. Yeah. So they'll collect it and then work with them kind of behind the scenes on, on what that means for their role and, and, and whatnot. The, the retros for that product team to help make um, incremental improvements. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I really like your, your, that that's the point really, isn't it? It's about incremental improvement. And I think that's why I like your point about, um, you know, if you're new to agile or you're thinking, hold on, I don't really do things agile, but I want to be more agile. Then I think the retrospective is a great place to start because agile at the heart of it really is about iterating and making these incremental improvements uh, because we don't fully know, you know, the best way to go. Um, so combine that with the daily standup and the, and the, the retrospective, those are great ways to begin to introduce agile themes, I'll call them, um, into, into your, into the way that you're working. Yeah, I would agree with that. Awesome. Well, Alexa, thanks so much for joining you us for joining you thanks so much for joining us it's been great having you with us today thank you for having me and as i said at the beginning as one of our dpm experts alexa's actually making an appearance on our upcoming course mastering digital project management and if you're not sure what i'm talking about and you know that you need some pm training uh, you need to get up to speed on agile and ceremonies and meetings well check out our seven week crash course And that includes some interactive videos, weekly lessons, assignments, group discussions, and uh, coaching sessions too. So head to digitalprojectmanagerschool.com and get yourself signed up before the course fills up. But if you'd like to contribute to the conversation that we've been having today about Scrum ceremonies, uh, comment on the post and then head to the resources section of the digitalprojectmanager.com to join our Slack team where you'll find all kinds of interesting conversations going on there too. But until next time, thanks for listening.